No. Just as a snippet, like to entice people into listening. Although you'd get a whole different kind of audience. I just don't think we need to be having man in the boat discussions uh, during a podcast. Why? Th- because this ha- this podcast doesn't have anything to do with. It has a, it has to do with everything about human existence. Yeah, but, anything and everything. Yeah, but let's let's save the man in the boat for a more adult oriented podcast. A more adult oriented. Oh, like actually make a theme. Sexy show. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Should we have a, a, a topic, sexy topic show? We've done no. fetishes. Why Why couldn't you? Yeah, fetishes we are one thing. And, 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 uh, and, uh, we talked about relationships. We've talked about fetishes. I don't want to get too, too far into it. <laughs> uh, um, All right. Tell you what, why don't you, uh, you, you go ahead and just do yourself a podcast and I'll, I'll put it out there for you. Well, I've asked you before to write down the directions and let me, because what if you die? It's a then I got all this damn equipment that I'm still paying for. No, you're not. Oh, if I die, it all goes. It all just goes. Yeah, oh yeah. All right. Well, the point is, I still have it here, and you know how I am about room and my stuff. And sure. It, it would need to be functional, or it's got to go. Okay, so make a note. <laughs> if you die, jot this down. Mm-hmm. When I die. You will have to create a new podcast. But I need directions. I need somebody to show me how to work all this equipment. So you need to to write down a step-by-step instructional guide to help me. What do I do next? Checklist. I personally feel that you should just sit in this chair and learn how to do it. Well, you have never offered. You have never asked. That is bullshit, Mr. Long. I don't hear a dog barking. I guess it's true. She doesn't know she's asleep. I took her out in the heat. She can't take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Push the button. <laughs> I did. It didn't work. One more time. <laughs> Hang on. Take two. This is the Long of the Boot podcast, the podcast coming to you from the heel of the boot of Southwest Louisiana. I'm your host, G. Long. Sitting across the way from me is Deb. Yep, I'm here again. Yeah, dragged her in here again. We're in the sweaty heel of the boot. Ooh, man, it's a it's a <laughs> nasty human stew out there. We, but we all know that. We're all in it together, people. Oh, thank God for deodorant. Can you imagine the stench if you had to go out in public? I don't know. I haven't been out in public very Or would often. we all just get acclimated to everybody no, we would just, stinking? No, we would be used to it. Oh, it's yeah, disgusting. It just, you know how you, you don't smell your house. I don't like but, being moist. Ah, ha, ha. Okay. Don't do that to our audience. Maybe they, they just turned you off. Oh, God. You were worried about me saying clitoris. Oh, I got it in. Okay. Can I, can I do the other version? I don't know. I feel like now we're just down in the gutter. <laughs> in the moist, smutty stew. Smutty human stew. All right. I, I will that rise is. above that and we won't, rise. We won't do that. <laughs> Okay, now everything becomes a euphemism. We've already done that show, sir. Okay. Already done that show. All right, so um, what's up? 
Not much. Uh, we were going to be recording a podcast with Habs, but yeah, life yeah. life got in the way, and <laughs> and so did a deer. <laughs> okay, but all we'll, family we'll okay. Save, yeah, oh yeah, everybody's fine. I yeah. wouldn't be talking we about would it not be and laughing if somebody had gotten hurt. That. No, of course um, not. The only person hurt was the truck and, uh, and the deer. The deer yes. I'm sure the deer definitely was. Did injured. you just say, did you just refer to the deer as a person? Yes. Is that the proper? Uh, yeah, it's 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 a terminology. A group of deer. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So Habs didn't make it today. Hey, all animals deserve human rights, you know. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I certainly like my animals. But anyway, Habs is fine, and and uh, but life stepped in the way, and a lack of uh, vehicles. Yeah, you gotta and, have you gotta have a uh, ability to travel. And so we'll get him maybe in two weeks. I think. Yeah, you can go pick him up. Oh, I already told him. Yeah, that's it. I will drive over. And do, do you have a car seat big enough for him? You know what? I have a bottle of ether right here. <laughs> we we will get him. All right. Yeah, because he's got to be here for our fiftieth. We just passed our two. We year. thought this was going to be the fiftieth, yeah, actually. But, uh, apparently, but after we didn't after doing well. a count, apparently the number after forty eight is in fact forty nine. Yes, and we've never been much at accounting, so. But ain't that the truth? Okay, so Habs isn't here. It wasn't fifty after all. He'll he'll that's okay. Make it for that. But anyway, we'll talk to Habs and uh, get get the yeah, deets yeah. get the deets on his wreck and and uh, anything and, else. And the survival. Oh, and, oh, and his burgeoning acting career. Yes, yes. We we'd like to chat about that. And yeah, like Charles Axe. They're putting on another play as they we are. speak. Uh, the fifteenth, I think. Uh, state of Maine. You know, I listened to this great podcast, and they talked about that building where they do all their plays. It was it was really interesting. <laughs> did you? I did. Do I you did. remember the host? Was it a was it a guy? Was oh, it a he girl? was a, he was a smooth, oh, wait, talking, we, we clearly handsome fellow. Mm, all by the sound of the voice. Oh yeah, you could tell. Oh, you could tell. Yep. Okay. You betcha. Hmm. <laughs> Bella, uh, why aren't you barking, dear? And and his co-host. Is not a professional. She said it herself. She said it herself. That's right. right. Well, at least she's uh, you know, got it together. She understands. She's got her it level going on. <laughs> she's got a thing going on. She's got a thing. All right, don't sing to me. Going on. Look at me like that. <laughs> um. So my summer has been um the this is the officially the laziest summer of my life. Well, that's because other than maybe infancy. That's because you've been imitating a pincushion. Yeah, I know. And uh, so, how is your health? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm making it. It's not great. I'm making it. I'm not working in my yard like I should be, and it's very. And yet, it looks amazing. I know, well, it's 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 still. I'm still doing a few things. And tomato plants were insane. Yeah, they, they, the garden. We only planted a small amount this year because I knew I couldn't tend to it. Yeah, but I, you wouldn't know that from the number of tomatoes. I know. I've Welcome to Southwest. Been Louisiana. doing some flea marketing and crafting because that's easy. Welcome to garden talk. I have watched every damn garden show there is, every <laughs> design show there is. I have just... Uh, Wait. Uh, Hello. Welcome to Garden Talk on NPR. Today, we'll be talking to Deb Long, master gardener from Southwest Louisiana. <laughs> and and, hello, and her... Deb. Hello. I'm having <laughs> an armadillo issue. Yes, armadillos, for those of you who don't know are evil, rotten little armored pigs. They're digging up all my that stuff. Destroy 
everything. In so the internet says, well, one, you can remove their food source. How do I take the grubs <laughs> and the damn worms? And it'd be easier to just move. Well, I know. Take okay, and I'm not into shooting them, and I'm not. Apparently, I'm not going to go trap them either. Well, I'm apparently I'm, I'm just going to. I don't bitch have a problem it. going out and putting a gun to their head and you know blowing their little brains out. Well, then go do but, it. No, see the problem. Just don't is tell me about it's it. It's too late. What? It's it's too late. I don't want to be up that late. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm getting up. Well, that was my thing. We've had our first, we've had armadillos all summer, and I had the first encounter with Bella and an armadillo. Well, that's because the they're morning. trying to take over our turf. It was dark. She freaked out and was terrified. Then she wouldn't go to the bathroom until daylight. We had to go back in. Um, it was all an ordeal. So, so anyway, first armadillo armadillos. encounter. They yeah. suck. All right, that's enough there of garden go. talk. We've done it. Um, <laughs> Thank you do, for joining us. On and garden you know talk. what? That is that is part of the American dream now, isn't it? Just to have your own yard. That's to weird. have your own armadillos. That's what I was going to talk raiding. about today. I, the I, American dream. We just had Independence Day. We did. We did. And I thought about the American dream. And, We've been talking about it extensively. And, and I hear that term a lot, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that dream really truly applies to anything remotely. Cons- Remotely connected to real life. What or what? To what it used to be? To what it originated as? Well, that's that's the problem. I think it's, it's just changed. When people use that term today, I think it's different for everybody. Uh, it it is considered to be the national ethos of yes. the United States yes. of America. Un- unofficially or officially? You said officially. No, it, it is the national ethos. Oh, I mean, I, I don't our, think they've recognized well, it. Well, then it's not as official. official. It's the unofficial. I don't think Congress has made it a special ethos. Oh, give them a chance. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, if they can make a, you know, national day well, of recognition of bugs or something. I, I can just, recall not too long ago a middle school student, you know, asking about their future. And, and his, sure. his American dream at that point was to have a million followers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's really his American. I think, well, that's kind of the point. Yeah, that's the American what I was dream uh, consists of a set of ideals, according to the ethos of the United States, and those ideals are democracy, which I would take issue with. It's a republic. Okay. Uh, rights, liberty, opportunity, and equality. So five ideals. Okay. Well, but that's and you said the word ideals well first of all i'm just going to real quick just attack that one thing real fast what democracy no the american dream consisting of these ideals because they don't even come close to really encapsulating what the american dream is i don't think the american dream can truly be defined that way but when it comes to rights the american dream no 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 our rights are given to us by god and uh so don't don't pull that in. Everybody is entitled to human rights I have, worldwide. I have issue with a list being the. Yes, it's a sentence at the very least. It's a sentence, not a list. And and the opportunity. Yes, yes, that well, does that, absolutely. That exist. is really where it stems from. And that's opportunity. The, I think that's the one equality. I would say that, you know. People are born equal in the eyes of God. Again, but society, but not when you so are much. born, you are not equal to no, everybody else, no. depending upon and it depends on your, your location, station, your region, everything. And that's the point of America. If you want to go back to where it really originated, the idea 
that you can go to a country, a new country, yes. establish yourself despite your class level. That's right. From where you came from, because in England, we all know you couldn't get land. If you were a second son, you weren't, you know, you weren't sure. going to get anything. You were where you were. You couldn't own land. There was no more land to own. Exactly. In Europe, but America period. had possibility. So here, the whole point of the American dream is that you have the opportunity. It's not, not necessarily that you're going to get there, but you right. have the opportunity to. Well, and what is also included now in the American dream, according to some, is the opportunity for upward social mobility of your children yes. versus you. That And that came along a little later, I think, that my kids are going to do better than me. And that anyone through hard work can rise above their station. Yes. Anyone. Okay. So so I think those are all better and de- delineators of sure. the dream. And the term American dream, you know, obviously it's been around since, you know, forever. Yes. Nineteen thirty. Because your little list is too vague. Those are all... Nineteen gen- thirty-one. Okay. The first time the term American yes. dream was used was 1931. But the idea was there. That's the whole point. When, when, oh, I agree. When somebody got on a boat in Europe and and risked everything and sailed their ass over here, <laughs> I mean, right? What were they coming here for? They all had their own notions, but titties and beer. <laughs> and you wouldn't let me say, oh my god. There's a god. big difference between those two terms. No, titties is slang. Titties is fun. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to stop it right there right. before we just, just just fall into some kind of horrible hole. Oh, God. God, damn. you just can't stop. No, I can't. All uh, right. I apologize in advance for Deb's foul potty mouth. But as she has said before, she's not a professional. I'm not. And if you're going to get curse words, it's coming from me. Most likely. <laughs> Most likely. Um, the American Dream, by the way, uh, that was that term was created by a guy named James Truslow Adams in 1931. Adams, man. Yeah. 1931. Okay. And so think about what was going on. Yeah, what was about to happen. Depression. Yeah. Depression's in full swing yeah. in 1931. So he wasn't referring to the American Dream technically in a positive way. He was saying what should be. It, the ideal saying that life should be better, richer, and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement and regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. Yes, and that is the ideal. That is what we want for America. That is the level of equality and justice we want for everybody. We're not there. We're moving. We're better. But Yeah, exactly. Nothing is ever ideal. There well, is no perfection. When, when the, the America that we're talking about, when the, when the Declaration of Independence was coined, when it was written, it said, all men are created equal, which is perhaps one of the most hypocritical statements <laughs> yes. to be put in a founding document at a time when, when? you could own men. So there, right away, you're starting off with, with a that. lie. So we were already not living up to our ideal. We also created life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as part of our American ideal. And that's ideal. still kind of vague, too. And the pursuit of happiness took the place of property. Property. Because slaves could not own yes, property. Own property. But they could pursue their own happiness. But remember, that's how you get the thing where you say, well, all men are created equal in the eyes of God. Yes. But we're not quite to that level either. So. But if you're saying on the one hand, God gave us all of our rights, and one of those rights is to be free and pursue happiness. But man's going to hold well, you back. 
especially with, government's going to hold you back. So, so the American dreams, the term 1931, I think he was trying to put into words what the ideal was from the beginning. Yes. And it, and it alters a, a little for everybody in their personal situation. But again, it, you still have to have the ideal. You can't, it, it would be wrong not to, to set yourself up for this is what we aspire to. But since humans are not perfect, we're never going to achieve that. We know we fall short, and the whole point is that we try. Every day you get up and you do a little better, and if you fall back, you try again. Right. But society today does not let us do that quite easily. I don't think, yes, and the American dream for all of the people out there who talk about, you know, oh, he's living the American dream. Well, maybe he is, but the American dream isn't the same for everybody. That's exactly And. It's a constantly moving set of goals. That's why you can't just come up with a list of five general things and say equality and no. But if you have people, you know, today you have people saying that, you know, America has never been as divided, which is nonsense. We have been as divided in this country. (laughs) We've always been divided. We had a civil war. (laughs) We shot at each other. When we get that again, when that happens again, I will agree with you that we've never been as divided as, as we moment. are right now. As as we will be at World War or at uh, Civil War Two. Yes, Civil War is, is part, we, part Two. Part Two. Or, no, then the, you bring in the French into it. And, well, they uh, probably will get into it. You know. The <laughs> well, yeah, maybe so. Crazy. <laughs> the crazy people. Shut up. I'm Somebody's got to throw down their gun. <laughs> All right, G. Long, now that you've insulted my heritage. Let's see, what else can I insult? <laughs> well, and, you know, that, that idea, too, of the American dream and the, uh, the fact that there's always still, when we read The Great Gatsby every year, we have read it. I don't know if we'll continue to. Cause, Who knows? You know, yeah, we, well, curriculum is Well, it's politically thing. incorrect, of It course. is, it is. But he is saying. And you know I mean, what? I think Tom's a racist. He absolutely is. And Fitzgerald didn't have a problem putting it in there and showing him as such. I mean, it wasn't right. like he was making him a good character. At a time when it was when quite he, common to be a racist. Was, yeah, especially when you're old money. But that was that was Fitzgerald's point in that book, ultimately, um, that holding on to the past is not good. And that even even if you're rich, even if you achieve that American dream that Gatsby did, crazy amounts of money and all of the, the material wealth you could want, he's still looked down upon by the rest of the wealthy who have and always had think about had how many money. people he was employing by having those lavish parties. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> when he had them every weekend, it was, it was crazy. Crazy yeah. amounts of food and alcohol illegally. I mean, all the people did benefit from that, and who knows? Maybe somebody sure. started their own business. No different than to our pirates the American and, dream. And stealing and moving it along. But that's the point. You're always going to have that divisiveness, even within the wealthy. Oh, well, I'm still better than him because he acquired his wealth in the tech world. I was born into it. Yeah. So clearly I'm better. Yep. Well, there you go. The American dream. But <laughs> somebody's always better than you. But you got people now saying the world, we've never been as divided as we are. So is, and, and there are, if you type in on a search engine, the American dream, the first thing you're given mm-hmm. as a search topic is, is the American dream dead? And the only people that don't seem to think it is are foreigners. 
Well, foreigners for sure, because they're still trying to get they're, citizenship they're coming every here day. And, they're trying, and, 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 it's, and they are. It's better for them. But I don't believe that people think that. I don't think that people necessarily, I mean, I, I do know that there are people who think the American dream is completely dead, but they're basing that off of their own political beliefs Not. as opposed to a more rounded existential idea of the American dream. Ooh, big words. So you're, you're taking the American dream then outside of the politics realm. I it think, has nothing to do with politics. I think the American dream, the idea of that, long before it was put into words, we already had it. Nobody yes. had just said it that no, way. No, because we were living it. We were doing it day in and day out, well, making it's choices. it's baked in for Americans, especially for people whose families have been here for a really long time. You have to consider that really – what the American dream started as was mobility, the ability to literally pick up, move somewhere Mm -hmm. and then go this land right here. It's mine. Yeah. And I automatically am doing better than my parents because I have more land. If you come from Europe and you go out West and you get yourself a piece of land, you're already doing better than your parents did Mm -hmm. because you own property. They didn't and couldn't in Europe. And that's why they came here. And that's where the, the dream grew out of. Right. It's the frontier mentality. Yes. Ever westward. Ever well, westward. and doesn't that make you stronger overcoming those challenges and, and knowing if I get up tomorrow and I work hard, there's something better for me. And then there's something better for my children. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Your posterity. Right. Yes, what you leave behind. I don't know if that hasn't gotten us into some trouble, though, because how many generations can do better than their parents? I know. How long can that go on? Ultimately, where does that... Well, it hasn't stopped yet. That's the weird thing. No, I don't think it has. But you will find people that think it has. If you ask young people today, do you think it's better now or worse than it was for your parents? They always end up, and this has been going on since we were kids. Yeah, I know. Every generation says, you know, oh, my time was better. It was so much cooler back in the day when, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I don't think so. I think that the American dream is a constantly shifting target. It's dynamic. Of course it is. And I think that the moment you say, well, the American dream is dead. Well, no, that means you gave up. That The dream isn't dead. It's dead for you. Well, when you, you. read these, these essays on Is the American Dream Dead? I know. I've read some of them. And they're, they're quite depressing. They really are. But and at I the same like time, there people... are components of those sure. that point out a few things like the ability to be socially and upwardly mobile in income as the world is changing financially and economically. Yeah, if we move more towards socialism, then you then you are starting to put you know uh, a limit on sure. on social mobility. Are, are we're talking about socioeconomic, right? We're talking about it's, it's all of it. it. The American dream encompasses everything. Well, yeah, if you can't own a home, okay, don't drag me into the negative side. I'm not. I'm <laughs> when they asked uh the colo- the last colonial governor of Virginia. Okay, what colonial, colonial governor. So, so, okay. He was British. 1774 was yeah. his last year. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Things are about to go bad. But he went back to England and they were like, what's up with these psychotic Americans? Now, remember, Americans had been living here in the colonies already for a hundred years and been com- become completely self-sufficient. They had to. They showed up with nothing. <laughs> well, it took too long to get information back and yeah. forth. So they're going to live and they're constantly pushing west slowly but surely. They asked him, he's like, what's up with these Americans? Why are they starting maybe a war? And he goes, he goes, Americans 
Their problem is that they forever imagine that lands further off are still better than those upon which they are already settled and happy. If they attained paradise today, they would move on tomorrow if they heard of a better place further west. Well, there you go. The grass is always greener. That should be our ethos. Maybe that is our ethos. <laughs> the grass is always greener. It sucks here. I want to go over there. Let's get to Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know a lot of people moved to Colorado because the grass was greener. The grass really and was legal. greener and legal, yes. <laughs> Sticky. And then it happened over and over again where you had these mass groups come in. Yeah. And then whoop, just started moving west. Well, good. They can't all stay in one place. They well, do have to did, disperse. But, this is a big country. But there's there's this there was a lot of opportunity. A divine right of birth. It was uh, the German uh, immigration in the 1840s, and how happy they were to get here and realize that they could literally claim a chunk of land. They didn't have to pay for it. Well, I know we had plenty. Yeah, there was plenty to go around. And then right at that time, you have the gold rush. Yeah. And that's when it changes a little bit. Because the gold rush made people think they could achieve the American dream instantly. Oh, so that added that component. So you're still working hard. It's not that you're not working hard for it because panning for gold is (laughs) is not a day in the park. Yeah, But you don't have to work too hard for too long. Frederick Jackson Turner, the old American dream was the dream of the Puritans, of Benjamin Franklin's poor Richard, of men and women content to accumulate their modest little fortunes a tiny bit at a time, year by year. The new dream was the dream of instant wealth, one in a twinkling by audacity and sheer luck. Uh. The golden dream became the prominent part of the American psyche after Sutter's Mill. Oh, yeah. I won the lottery, bitches. Fast food, <laughs> right? But gold. we went from the yeah. Puritan view of what was better the city on to the hill. California dream. Well, that is a vast difference between East Coast Puritan it is. And, and California mindset. But it's this constant moving frontier. I don't think the American dream is dead personally because no, I, I think, number one, that most people are good. Yes. And will do the right things when it comes to helping out their fellow people. Unless they're in a mob. And I'm not a pessimist about that. No, I am not either. I am a pessimist. I am a pessimist only about the speed at which things get better. And I'm only a pessimist because it takes so long sometimes to for things to get better that well, I, I I think it's constantly changing and getting better, but hindsight, you, you have to get a little distance from it before you can truly look back and have something to measure it by, because you can't see the changes. But I think distance sometimes messes things up. Like, Well, it does if history gets there is There, there are a lot of young black Americans who don't have the concept of what their great-grandparents went through because they don't have them to talk to anymore. Yeah. And that information is dribbled out. It's not really well discussed. You know, and, and I, I, I agree with you. I like the fact that they're pushing, uh, what is it, the Freedom Trail? Uh, they're, they're pushing a vacation this summer in a... Oh, the train? Are you um, talking about? Or? No. Oh, I wish I could think of it now. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I... You know, uh, the bridge and I can't think of any of it. The well, words. The words have left me again. Pardon me. Go right ahead. All righty. There we go. Um, the freedom, I thought, I thought they called it the freedom trail where you get to go on vacation and, you know, cross the bridge, the segregation. Oh, in Selma. Selma. Thank you. God, 
<laughs> I just couldn't get there. I couldn't get to Alabama. So they're re- redoing it. They're- yeah, and they're and they're advertising towards families and bringing children and helping them to understand. So I again, it is getting better. There are those things out there. You just have to actively, as parents, seek them out to teach your children. Yes. Don't wait for the schools to do it. No, the schools cannot be responsible for establishing the American ethos, and, and it which is also be, constantly evolving. Well, and it shouldn't be a history teacher's or a civics teacher's duty to, to give all of that to your child because that comes with a lot of, of opinions and thoughts and sure. feelings as well that you as a family need to sit down and, and have those discussions. Yeah, and, and, and those discussions in history are changing. Yes. History is like any other subject that is subjective in that it's going to be reinterpreted over and over and over again. Uh, Frederick Jackson Turner that I was talking about a while ago, when he talked about the American frontier and this idea that as you moved west, you were released from European mindsets because you didn't have a need for landed gentry. You didn't have a need for established yeah, the, the aristocrats. History, the history, the baggage that you carried generational and it became, is gone. Yeah, and the frontier thesis became the dominant historical analysis for history teachers. Um, by the time T- Turner died, what does it say here? By the time Turner died in 1932, 60% of all leading history departments in the United States taught history along Tunarian lines, which is Turner's frontier thesis. Yeah. And it was still going on even in if, – if I taught you, guess what? We were still operating along those Tunarian lines as far as the textbook and the curriculum went because the the race to the moon was simply a, a, a designation of that constant frontier Mindset. idea. Yeah. It's the American dream that there's always opportunity ahead. Well, I, there's I, always I, through yes. your own. And so when we kind of condense all of that down to the, what is the American dream in history? There's only one place we can go. Right. Horatio Alger. Oh, I thought you were going to say forward. <laughs> we well, we will forward. go forward. Well, that, that, and that's exactly what Horatio did. You know, Horatio Alger, can, the can do spirit, baby. And those of you who took me for history, we talked about this, but you don't remember. And uh, for those that didn't take me and you didn't talk about it, I'm going to tell you about him real quick All because right. I think he's important in liter- oh, absolutely. to this idea, but I want to go ahead and also poke a pin in him at the same time. Um, <laughs> Horatio Alger is taught in history as the man who created the idea of the rags to riches story. First, let's go ahead and just trash that idea right now. The rags to riches narrative has been around since narratives. You go back as far as you want, poor people achieving success through their own hard work, determination, intelligence, whatever. Those stories have been around forever. Well, yeah, but it was just altered to fit, you know, the time. Well, of course. And it was also altered to fit, yeah, well, that's what, yeah, the time, the Gilded Age. Yes. Where people were making huge fortunes. Ridiculous sums of money. At a time when other people were were as poor as you you can't even imagine. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. What? (laughs) Gosh, that's weird. Never heard that before. The Horatio Alger myth. And he wrote dozens of books. 128. uh, Yeah, 128. But my favorite is his fourth book, Ragged Dick. (laughs) I'm going to say its title again because how often do you get to say it? Ragged Dick. 
And you stopped me from the C word. Hey, I'm trying to be historical here. Uh, the, I was too. I was I was absolutely serious about pronunciation. It was a story of a boot black's rise to middle class respectability. To middle class respectability. Well, they didn't know where oh, that was going to go. A boot black was a guy who dyed uh, leather black. Good moral character, boots. determination, and good luck. See, he needed good luck too. It wasn't absolutely. just all of that. But hard work, determination primarily. Yes. And basically everything will turn around for you. And everybody ate these books up. Uh, Horatio Alger was successful for literally one type of story. Well, sure. He just rewrote them over and over again. And, you know, it says here uh, he was a successful experiment in social reform and improvement. It was a broad movement to improve and inspire poor kids to take advantage of America's opportunity Correct. of social mobility. And that led to tens of thousands of New York's post-Civil War juvenile delinquents became good, productive, middle-class moderate citizens and it, it did have an effect i'm a c student that's fine again that that constant moving goalpost yes when when horatio alger was writing all this stuff things were not great for poor people no especially in cities where and, the immigrants had swelled the population these are street children they're yeah about. they lived on the street yeah, literally just like little charles dickens and so know. they had something to look up for uh alger was a pastor in the uh, unitarian church which, by the way, the Unitarians for, for, for... Emerson was the Unitarian minister. He quit the Unitarian church, though, because they didn't believe uh, in, in all of his, you know... Well, I'm sorry. Unitarians don't believe in the Holy Trinity, so I, I can't take him seriously. <laughs> well, no, he believed, he believed God was in nature, and anybody could find him without the church or it's with a, the church. It's a yeah. Unitarian thing. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I did find it interesting, though. So he had no pros- job prospects after graduation from school, and, you know, and it, eventually... He wrote a book and basically lived out his story in his well, own life. Well, maybe that was his whole point. Maybe he thought, you know what I see happening here and how can I fix that? How can I make their lives better, my life better? And he came up with a narrative and he said, we just need to teach it. He sure did. And he was a pastor, as I said. Yeah. Uh, between minister- ministerial duties, he organized games and amusements for boys in the parish railed against smoking and drinking and organized and served as the president of the local chapter of Cadets for Temperance. So seemingly a really good guy. He was a great guy. And then in 1866, a church committee of men was formed to investigate reports that Alger had sexually molested boys. Why did we have to go there, Horatio? The American dream. Church officials reported to the hierarchy in Boston. Alger had been charged with the abominable and revolting crime of gross familiarity with boys. Damn it. Alger denied nothing. Oh. (laughs) Admitted he had been imprudent. Considered his association with the church dissolved and left town. Oh, the mighty do fall. Alger sent Unitarian officials in Boston a letter of remorse. And his father assured them that his son would never seek another post in the church. The officials were satisfied and decided no further action would be taken. Oh, just move them on. Just move them on. So Keep Alger Hiss, move them on. the man who created in literary form Are we the getting American better dream. with that? Can we say we're getting better with that? Like we're not going to put up with that crap anymore? Alger relocated to New York City where he studied the condition of street boys and found them an abundance of interesting material for stories. Uh, I'll bet he did. I'll bet he did. He abandoned forever any thought of a career in the church. Well, yeah, rotten center. And focused instead on his writing. He wrote a couple books and a poem, uh, and it was about a sinning cleric's atonement through good deeds. 
Oh, so he was making good. He became interested in the welfare of thousands of vagrant boys who flooded New York City following the Civil War. He can't surround himself with his temptation. He attended a children's church service at Five Points. But did he read to children in libraries? I don't know if he did or not. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, he he published a couple books that didn't do anything. And then his first of 12 installments of Ragged Dick. I enjoy saying that way too much. That just seems ironic considering his, um, you know, yeah. predilection. Especially considering that he uh, continued working with young boys and eventually even arist- aristocratic youth. Uh, he he was writing both urban and Western-themed stories. Sassy. Here you go. This one was called The District Messenger Boy. Okay, don't turn it all into you. Okay, you're just doing that now. And here's one more. He was. It was called the Young Miner. <laughs> e R. I was going to say, how's that spelled? Uh, Alger, Alger's covered fiction, in soot, dirty. Alger's fiction became the target of librarians who were concerned about sensational juvenile fiction, and an effort was made to remove all of his works from public collections. So he was, but he the was debate censored. was only partially successful, defeated by a renewed interest in his work after he achieved room temperature. You know, he died. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Wait, I'm not done because I have to. I have to add this oh, no. because it just—it's kind of funny. And you haven't told me, so I'm. I'm no, I have not. hesitant to know what's going to happen here. In 1881, Alger informally adopted Charlie Davis, a street boy, <laughs> and then another boy named John Downey. In 1883, they lived together in Alger's apartment. In 1881, he wrote a biography of President James A. Garfield, but filled the work with contrived conversations and boyish excitements rather than actual facts. Oh, my God. The book sold as well as any. <gasps> Alger was commissioned to write a biography of Abraham Lincoln, but again, <laughs> because the it other was, one was Alger, so the boy's novelist, opting for thrills rather than facts. Oh, my Lord. And they published them and people loved them. <laughs> they did. They ate that shit up. Um, he... Constantly surround himself with, this is weird, young boys. boys. Okay. He took pleasure in the successes of the boys he informally adopted over the years, retained his interest in reform, and accepted speaking engagements where he read portions of Ragged Dick to boys' assemblies. Good Lord. So there you go. Horatio All Alger. right. So he had um, upward mobility. He did. He did. <laughs> upward mobility. <laughs> All right, we are not making light of Of the American dream of pedophiles. No, no, we're not. No. Although, did you see that documentary on the Boy Scouts? 80,000. Like, yeah, 82,000 men had come forward and said that something had occurred to them on some sort of Boy Scout camping. Just why can't we have kids stuff without that? I don't know. I I just don't understand America. So we're going to fast forward to today. Okay, yeah, because obviously Horatio Alger really isn't getting taught anymore. (laughs) Talk about the American dream in that, is it dead? And that question was actually asked by a couple publications. Oh, of course, we've surveyed everybody. And uh, one of them was, is the sun setting on traditional U.S. belief in upward mobility and meritocracy, which means success through hard work? through merit, yeah. Okay, so... Research shows that poor people in the U.S. are 20 times less likely to believe hard work will get them ahead than their poor Latin American counterparts. 
with white Americans the most pessimistic about the future success of their offspring. Wait, just summarize it for me. People in Latin America who are dirt poor believe more in the American dream than white people in America. Who are living. Who are living. Yes. Yeah, we're talking about living people. Well, that's because... White Americans are the most pessimistic about the direction that the United States is going. Because they're already at a certain level, and they feel like they should be even higher. The the people on the very bottom living in another country that don't see any hope in that country, of course they got to hold on to that. And you'll have people that say, well, that's nonsense. Well... If you were born in 1940, you had a 90% chance of ending up in a higher income rank than your parents. 19, sure. To, today, okay. that, today that number is 38%. Mm. We went from 90 to 38. And do you think that is because we have so many things to spend money on now? I'm not sure. Because I, in I really 1940, you're looking, I mean, what do you want? You want a house, a family, a car, maybe you get some appliances. I, I mean, right? Think about it. Material wealth and the things you can buy are fairly limited compared to now in, in 1940. And yeah. And the thing is, what's really weird about this to me is that it's the idea that if you had asked you know, in the 1940s, do you believe in this idea of upward mobility? Everybody would yes. have said yes, especially poor people. Oh, yes. And back then, if you were poor, you saw the inequality in society as proof that there was social mobility because there were people who had achieved it. Oh, and sure. you could see it. Well, because it's in action. It's happening all the time. Today, it's turned around. Mm. Americans with kids say that their kids will not be as successful as they are. You see what I mean? So what we're doing is we had parents in the 40s who told their kids, look, society is kind of unequal, sorry, but through hard work, you can do better than me. Yeah. And parents tried to make that happen. Yes. Today, parents tell their kids there's a lot of inequality in society, and that's why you're poor. What's the matter? Well, I, okay, that's it's there. I feel like my microphone is going in and out. Oh, I hadn't noticed it. Okay, sounds okay, okay to you. Oh yeah. All right. Well, all right. Actually, so. it has. I haven't heard you at all. It's been a great podcast. <laughs> Shut your mouth, sir. Put put that stick down, honey. <laughs> Gee, long you're going to be in trouble. Um, but anyway, I think that's interesting I, I, that I we're do. at that point when all around us we see examples of society moving forward but i think we've run into this wall it's a wall of expectation that we've been played uh to by well by media by hollywood by by everybody again we're back to this how much stuff can we buy i mean and and that's True. turning right now too because they're i see all the memes that are kind of pushing don't buy your kids stuff buy experiences to create right. memories. That's what's going to last. Not that Barbie you just got or the trampoline that you But just we have put. a media that's hell bent on getting you to spend well, every sure, last dime. everything. And we buy the stupidest shit. I do it too. I don't, I'm not telling y'all that y'all are bad. I do it as well. We all do it. We all buy stupid, stupid stuff. Well, the, the Gallup poll, they did a world poll. A world it, poll? World poll. All right. The question, can an individual who works hard in America get ahead? Everybody said yes 
in the world for the most part. Mm-hmm. Except Americans. Except Americans. Because we're here, we're living it, and we don't feel like we're achieving as fast as we're back to the fast and here's food the be- idea. here's the best part. In America, or I should say in the world, there was no difference in the answers across all income groups. Okay. Rich or poor, if you lived in Brazil, let's say, you were likely to say, yes, it's absolutely possible. Hmm. Poor people in the United States are 20 times less likely to believe today that hard work will move them any more forward than where they are now i mean if you if and they're better off way better off than the poorest yeah go down to brownsville or across the border in in mexico you know yeah so you go piss in a hole in the floor maybe the problem isn't that the american dream is dead it's that enough people now don't think about that so it's the whole mindset of a of the country and so who do they turn to to fix it who can fix our American dream, baby? Oh, Democrat, Republican? The government. The government. We just need the government to fix everything. And the one thing that you get out of reading all of this history about the American dream is none of those people ever said anything, ever about, the said anything about getting help from the government. <laughs> Until now. But today, yeah, yeah. we expect it. Oh, Bella's pissed about that one. I don't care. What does she know? She's a dog. She gets everything for free. <laughs> she does. She's a communist. <laughs> she gets everything. <laughs> her entire life is based around, well, her her big brother <laughs> and, big, and big mother. That's <laughs> Ask my baby girl. Um, so I, I think, all right. I, don't think so, the, I don't think the American dream is dead. I don't either, but you're just not maybe going to get it as fast as you think you should. And I think it's probably not as easy to unfold now because there's just not that much frontier left. No. Well, if the frontier, if the idea of the frontier is a major component of the American dream of moving forward, we're at a point where it's, it's economically, we're at a tipping point. Well, economically, there's no way for people in many cases to, they don't have the tools available to them to move out of where they are. But just when I come to some idea like that, I see, you know, technology and then some door opens up and then we all of a sudden have this industry that we didn't have before, where if somebody is willing to work hard, they're going to go get training in in a new field and maybe move to that. Or I I feel like that there are opportunities that maybe we just can't conceive of yet. Yes. And that would that's be true. the future, you know. I mean I mean nobody thought think about all the wealth that's been created and opportunities mm-hmm. for people to move up. In technology. In technology. I mean the internet and then science and Come all. On. I know because I've been harping on this idea. I mean, how does a how does a content creator make a living? And they are making good livings. Now that may not last, but again, that may still open up a door for something else that we just can't conceive of yet because we're old. It, True. And I really think that part of the problem for young people is they simply don't have a grasp of history. Not really. Mm-mm. So I think to move forward, you should know, you know something about what happened in the past. You absolutely should, especially that, if you're coming at it from the bottom of the socioeconomic oh yeah, ladder. Because you, you need to understand those patterns. And don't be angry about that crap. See what's improved and where you right. can go from there. Because when you start dwelling in, oh, those inequalities or this happened to my people or this happened to this whatever – all of that stuff, it is history. It's done. Move forward. Move forward. So isn't that the American ideal? Move well, forward. Well, but that's the problem. You now have people who have achieved a level of success and wealth that we can't even dream of. 
And yet those people, we see them, mm-hmm. they're still trying to acquire more. More. And what's the point of that? Why? Yeah. And at that point, you want to say, we, you've reached a tipping point. Now you should be giving back. And, and we've had people in the past talk about it. And, and I think that that's, that's going to be the dividing line going into the future. Is, what, the haves and the haves-nots? Well, are if, those mega wealthy? If the mega wealthy, yeah, I'm not talking about somebody who makes four hundred thousand. No, no, we're talking. No, we're about, talking Bill yeah, Gates, Elon George, Musk. I'm going to have George ten Soros, children with three women. Bezos building penis rockets. Put it away, Elon. Put you know, it away. People say, well, he's he's advancing science, and man, I wish they'd shut up. Uh, <laughs> he's advancing science, you know, is what he would say. I would say, yeah, but think about the number of people you could actually get started on the road to success. So he should be mentoring. He should be mentoring the up and coming. Yes. Future. He should be mentoring the future. Well, maybe he hasn't reached that point in his life. But helping families, because we kind of already established that without the family being part of the whole idea of upward mobility, then you're going to run it, into problems. It loses something. Yeah, you've got to have at least one driving force. Right. A mother, a father, a grandparent that really and pushes I think, you. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I think in a lot of cases that the American dream would be realized a lot easier by a lot more people if we didn't have the constant finagling of government forces mm-hmm. and and this this weird bureaucratic world we live in now. I mean, the idea that you have to have a special license to cut hair. Yes, and don't you cut it in your how kitchen. Many, how many women could have businesses today? Don't you be cutting hair it, in your kitchen. Why not? Because somebody's going to turn you in and you're going to get a ticket. Yeah, but it's not a danger. I, 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 I understand I certain yeah, reasons to have. Yeah, let's but, not do Botox in your kitchen. <laughs> let's not be doing yeah. that. I'm not injecting anything. And uh, But you should, you should be able to go to somebody's house and let them cut your hair without them getting in trouble. But in in the final analysis, I think that the American dream is alive. I don't know that it's well. I know it's alive. And I do believe that society as a whole is way better than it was when I was younger. And I know good and well it was better than when my grandparents were growing up. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about the the whole idea of morals and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this idea that you could do better. You know, just in it. So really what we're saying is that we're lacking a balance. Yes, we're out of balance. We're we're still out of balance. Yep. And I don't know how we fix that. I don't either. It has Uh, to be a it has to be a a whole societal mindset shift. I say it starts with you, those of you with children. Well, sure, because you're talking about the micro to lead to the macro. And be positive. You can still achieve it just may not happen overnight. The American dream, depending on what your version of that yeah. dream is. And don't be unhappy when you're in a spot where you're not, you know, you're not going to stay. Work at that point. Know that it will come if you just keep doing it. Hunter Thompson. I'm going <laughs> to leave it with Hunter Thompson. Are you going to leave it with Hunter? Right. I am because fear, uh, the American dream was actually his thesis for many of his writings. Fear and loathing of the American dream on the road to Hollywood. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Pursuit <laughs> of the American dream. That's that's what those books are yes. about, and what had happened to it. And I found a quote, and I, you know, he was clearly down on America, but at the same time, he loved America. The excess. he loved the freedom. He loved the freedom and excess. Yes, he said, 
America could have been a fantastic monument to all the best instincts of the human race. Instead, we just moved in here and destroyed the place from coast to coast like killer snails. Everybody wants power over a country that has had its day. Wow. I like that killer snails. Killer snails. I know. When I read that, I was Because like, we're moving, we're moving ever so slowly. And it was always the government that brought him down well, sure. when it came to the American dream. They were the ones killing it. They were the ones restricting it. Because now we're at a point where we want the government to make everything equal, to make everything just. And um, we've gone from Horatio Alger to Harrison, Harrison Bergeron. He said that... Uh, what brought him down, the thing that really changed him, was he went to Saigon at the end mm. when we were leaving. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. And uh, he talked about how ugly it was going to get. And he said it. It he left going, what What has happened to the American dream? You know, what is it? And yeah. I don't know. My nose is running. Yeah. I guess that might be a good time to wrap up. Yeah. Because <laughs> they don't want to hear it. I yeah. don't want to hear it. You know, I never did a do our phone number and all that stuff, but you people know what that is, right? Well, I, I guess you could do three, three, seven, five, zero, two, nine, zero, one, one. And of course, long in the boot at gmail.com. Please. What do you yeah. think about the American dream? You're allowed to call. You can leave a message and say, you don't even have to identify yourself. You can be secret if you want to. America. Yeah. America. Love it. Wouldn't want to live anywhere else. No. Permanently. Well, I don't know. Belgium's pretty damn <laughs> nice. It was nice. But you know what? <laughs> the freedom of this country is I know, still pretty I know. Special. I do recognize that. And you clearly, know, we've... I know that the grass is not always greener. Why haven't we moved to a city? Because I don't want to be hemmed in. Yeah. I like the freedom of being able to do what I want in my oh, yard. Oh, fence me in. <laughs> Another song. Okay. So play play games with your children. Play talk games. Talk to your kids. This is all you got. Do um, fun things. And... and Beat your head about the beat your kids around the head and say the American dream is alive and well and you better do good. And I only got eighteen summers with you to make you understand that. That's right. Eighteen summers, people. You have a baby. You got eighteen. This summers. isn't a belt, son. It's a freedom strap. What is wrong with you? Oh, we're trying to be poignant and serious, and you're all tearing it uh, down. Um, and you wouldn't even let me say clitoris or clitoris. I want to know. Again, I say it's pronounced the way that it needs to rhyme for the poem. But if I'm not rhyming or trying to be alliterative with the... Cl- Bound to be a limerick, right? Uh, there, yeah, there I know. There once was a girl named Dolores. <laughs> Come on. That's had a very large... Okay. No, stop. <laughs> all right, I will stop. Um, you know, I apologize to um, all of you sensitive listeners. All you people with, with beautiful kids and all you people without kids and doing what you do and making it every day you do know that your joy is portable and you can take that shit anywhere so true so spread it around yeah do that <laughs> have a good uh have a good couple weeks and try to stay cool and we'll hopefully see good you luck. on the 50 with uh habs hopefully yeah it could happen it could unless another deer gets in the way no oh, i'll be driving so that we, ain't gonna happen we need a stew you know what deer know to stay away from me <laughs> Bye, people. (laughs) Bye-bye. Y'all have a good week.